Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. currently listening to the Reeves House Band of the Reeves Theater in Elkin, North Carolina. They are being led by Tommy Jackson, and they are playing one of his original tunes. Tommy Jackson is my guest today, and he's going to be talking about the creation of the Reeves House Band, and also some other work that he has done in theater for the pit and also on stage. More in just a moment. I pick the rules and I break the lies. Welcome to Life in the Pit. This is episode number 23. I am David Lane, and I'm pleased once again to share a great conversation coming up. Just a reminder, please subscribe, please share each episode, and also, if you are so inclined, please offer a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're allowed uh, to do that. Once again, I've got another great episode uh, that went a little bit long, and in this case, we went long, and we really didn't even cover a significant portion of what my guest does to make a living. He's a freelance musician, he's a composer, a songwriter, uh, but he also plays keyboard, he plays guitar, and we're going to talk about a lot of the things that he does. Uh, But just a couple of years ago, he was asked to put together a house band for a new theater that was being renovated. Just to show you how widespread the arts are needed and in all sorts of communities, uh, this didn't happen in New York, Chicago. Uh, It didn't even happen in my medium-sized town of Winston-Salem or nearby Greensboro. Uh, Instead, it happened in Elkin, North Carolina, which currently, uh, according to the latest census, has about 4,000 people. Um, It's not really close to anything as far as a big city. It's right at the gateway to the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's a nice, cozy little town. It's not what you would think of for having a theater that has actual, of course, theater plays, but also attracts a lot of guest artists. And when they renovated this uh, theater, they asked Tommy Jackson if he would lead and, of course, construct together a house band. And there's a lot of crossover skills with musical theater involved, and I wanted to talk to him about that. And, of course, uh, I know that there's a lot of skills involved because it was through theater that he made these connections in the first place. Uh, Tommy Jackson uh, is a very interesting person in terms of just the life that he's had and his career in music. And um, let's not delay any further. Here is my conversation with Tommy Jackson. Tommy, great to have you on my podcast. Uh, how are things going in 2020? Hey, dude. Good to be here, man. I'm glad you invited me. Things are going all right, man. Um, 2020 has turned out to be not the best year in the world, but we're right. making the best of it, right? Right. That's true. Um, you know, I still don't think I have a complete picture of 
like how you earn a living. So I figured we'll just we'll just clear that on the podcast. Uh, I know that you are a performer with a lot of outlets, you know, so you've got at least two bands that we'll, we'll talk about with the new traditional and the easy street apothecary. And of course you've, uh, uh one thing I'm going to save this for later I, that I definitely want to talk about. You've started a, a house band, you know, in a, in a city. We're going to talk about that. You're also a singer songwriter. Uh, and occasionally you're, you're going to be seen in the theater, either in the pit or on stage. So there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Are there other things that we don't know about? Like, what what are some other ways that you uh, that you spend your time? Oh yeah, um, so I, I also do a little bit of uh, side musician stuff where uh, friends will ask me to come and play with them and their their projects. Right. And uh, so whenever that happens, that's always a lot of fun. Right. But um, starting a band in 2020 is is a little bit strange since none of us can actually be together in the same room right so uh i got a uh a message from a couple of my buddies and they wanted to uh they wanted to start a they called it a yacht rock band which is okay yeah the the kind of music that you would hear on a yacht party okay on, on a yacht that's having a party right and uh so it turns it turns into something like a uh, smooth rock from the 70s and um steely dan and okay. things like that and uh so so they wanted to put it together um a little while ago but there was no way for us to get together and be in the same room so we decided that uh we would all record our parts and video each other you know video ourselves and then um uh, and then put it all together into a video, um, put all of the videos together into one big video and, uh, and release it online. So I guess once, uh, once, once we all have the chance to get together in the same room, we'll, we'll go back to the traditional ways of, of playing music together. But, uh, until then we're doing that and, and, uh, releasing videos instead of, uh, playing in the same room. Right. <laughs> Uh, you also had another, before we get too far into the music, you, you had another big event planned for 2020, and it turned out to be a, 2020 was a bad year for that too, so, and it got postponed to 2021, so you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Are you talking about my wedding? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually, it was our, our original date, uh, so, uh, so I was supposed to be getting married this Saturday. Okay. Uh, which is... September the, the 18th right <laughs> and um, and we we made the big uh, hard decision to postpone it to 2021 right well you know one, one of the ironies is is you know for for almost any wedding the thought is uh, am am I gonna be available am I gonna have a have to get a substitute for a show as it turns out ironically, I could totally attend this Saturday. <laughs> I've got I've got yeah. time, you know. <laughs> you got stuff to yeah, you, you don't don't have much going on at the moment, right? <laughs> well, uh, almost everything I have going on is at home and so it's you know, it's flexible, you know, I can yeah, I can plan when to do it, so That's that's kind of what that, that's that's the way it is with me too. Everything's kind of flexible and you can kind of uh right. you can kind of do uh do things at your own pace. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, let's just pretend for the moment that 2020 doesn't exist. And um, <laughs> uh, let's pretend it's 2019. Walk us through, I don't know, just maybe a typical month uh, of, of your professional life. What are some things that you'd be, you might be doing? 
So typically in 2019, I was uh, I was uh, working for the the Reeves Theater in Elkin, North Carolina, which um, they had hired me to. In 2017, they asked me to create something called the Reeves House Band, which was uh, which was what exactly what it sounds like the the house band of the Reeves Theater. Right. And now, how, how did you get that gig? By the way, it's like it's a, did did you know one of the owners or something? Or? Um, funny enough, uh, I had been uh, music directing shows in Elkin for the local arts council. Um, for the past three years or so, and so they kind of knew me that way, mm-hmm. and um, and so uh, of course the Reeves Theater is a little bit different than than right. your typical uh, what what music directors usually do. So, um, but they 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 knew of me through the Arts Council there, and uh, and so uh, when they finally got to the point where they were going to open up the theater they they started asking around for for potential um music directors i guess you could call it a music director even though right. it's a lot different than you might think a, a a typical music director for a broadway show might do they mm-hmm. uh it's kind of a combination of uh, it's a hybrid of uh your typical rock and roll band mm-hmm. with uh with a, a typical um theater band so we right. can we can get more into that later but that's right they they kind of uh they they wanted they wanted to form a house band for the theater right and they were looking for somebody to be able to do that and uh and then also they they asked me to help out with the booking and help out with the the day of show uh pre-production and things like that so well on actually i think we could talk about it because um it strikes me you know having not actually like been in your direct position but just from my observation there's a lot of similarities to the skills needed for a theatrical music director in um that first of all you're in the business of collaborating uh for the sake of entertainment it might be a lot more focused on the music but you're also in you're also putting together a show and you know like the, the first show that I saw you guys do was I guess it was 2018 it was the Mardi Gras um uh celebration <laughs> and, oh yeah uh, I remember you came to that uh-huh yeah <laughs> that was and it's show. like and you guys you guys marched in with when the saints go marching in so I mean you had some <laughs> theatrical touches definitely um, some theatrical to touches that show sure. you you've got some <laughs> you know some places where some guys go off stage and then come come back on stage and and you know there are the the rock band and you know centered or well, even sometimes jazz band you've got the band centered stuff you know that uh that happens with some mannerisms and all that but i think the organization of it um one of the things like i know a music director will sometimes have to do is they have to add stuff to the written materials you may have to write out some things, you know, I think we've all had to, to do that. Like, uh, we don't have this instrument. So, you know, maybe we don't have an oboe or we're not playing something out of the oboe book. So we have a flutist and he needs to be able to play that. And so you write that out for him if it's not already written. Um, I know that, uh, in that Mardi Gras show, you, you had some, you know, you had trumpet and trombone and, and I asked him afterwards, I said, 
um, so what were you guys playing from? And said, oh, Tommy arranged that, you know, so, and they were, I think they were playing off like their iPad or whatever, but it was, uh, you know, some horn charts that you had added for some songs and all that. So it's mm-hmm. kind of piecing together some, some various things, but, but let's talk about what is the, what the house band, uh, does. I know that, uh, besides the Mardi Gras show, uh, the only other thing I've made it to was a Woodstock, um, well, gosh, yeah, it must've been a 50th anniversary celebration of like the original, right? So. Right. Yeah. That was a, yeah. that was a fun show too. But, but you, uh, you know, you also included like, uh, later Woodstock performances, you know, was it just <laughs> yeah. the original? Right. Um, yeah. 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 I know you've done, you do like certain like band tributes. Like, um, I, I feel like, didn't you guys do the Beatles at some point? Um, yeah, the Beatles is, that's, uh, that's been one of our, we do that one once a year just cause I'm such a huge fan of the Beatles. They, uh, right. they're, they're a big influence on me and it's a, it's a popular show. So that's, that's one of the only shows that we do on a regular basis once a year. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like classic bands and like some tributes and stuff you guys do, but as a house band, I assume you guys also, if you get a, so a guest artist or solo artist that wants to come do their concert, you're, I mean, they may have their band, but if they don't, you're the band, right? Is that is that my understanding correctly? Yeah, um, it's it's only happened a couple of times where a uh, an artist might come in and she needs a backup band, and that's what we're we're also there for that as well. Um, right. Yeah, that's that's all. That's been something that I really have been wanting to do more of is have solo artists come in and then us. Uh, be their backup band which with the the couple times that we have done it's been a lot of fun right but uh that's yeah that's something that i've i wanted to do more of for sure right and you know just for the benefit uh you know because i don't we, we have a lot of listeners from all over the country so you know elkin uh for trying kind of trying to picture elkin on the map in, in north carolina i mean it's a, it's a full hour away from you know winston-salem i i think and uh but it's it's a very small town but mm-hmm. it's it's got some I don't know it's got some charm downtown. It's got an actual downtown area with two or three s- streets kind of heading toward the river. It's got a river going through it, and then you've got maybe two or three streets heading the other other direction as well. But a lot of coffee shops. Too. Yeah, a lot of coffee <laughs> shops. Um, so the Reeves Theater. Uh, I mean, it's coincides with you being asked to be the direct the house band or create the house band. It was actually the the whole building was renovated, right? Yeah, so um, the the theater was built in the '40s, mm-hmm. and it was actually uh, originally a movie theater, and uh, it was it was that way all the way until the '90s when it uh, when it shut down and just kind of closed its doors, and it kind of stayed like that until uh, around 2017 when when it was opened up as a as a theater for live music mm-hmm. and uh and when i say live music i mean like touring musicians and one show a, a day you know every once in a while we'll do a double show or i'm trying to think if there has been and yeah i think it, i think it pretty much has been one one artist every day right uh, uh i don't think any artist has ever done more than one day there right in a, in a row Right, but uh, with all that to say is, with your typical music theater production, you'll have you know one one show there for 
you know, weeks upon weeks. And this is a little bit different than that, where it's, right. you know, one artist every day and they, they come through and they're on tour and they're moving through the U.S. and they're stopping here on their way to their next destination. So, right. Um, so let's go back to 2017. You were asked to create a house band. Um, so what did you do from that point? It's like, I assume, well, first of all, you gotta, <laughs> yeah. uh, you gotta kind of figure out what, what kind of instruments does that involve? And then you go ask people to, uh, I, I assume that what, how did you, how did you frame that? Did you ask him, would you do this for this first show and see how it goes? Or do you, or do you say, can you commit to this? Uh, we might be doing one or two a month, that type of thing. Right. Yeah. I, so my my experience with house bands, um, I tried to do some research because um, uh, because they they wanted me to put together the house band, which I didn't uh, I didn't ask them if they wanted one. They they said that they wanted one first, right? And so I had I had to do some research on what a house band actually is, mm-hmm. and uh, um, there there's not a lot of a lot of information out there, and right. so. The closest that I could come were maybe these these bands back in the '70s that would play every uh, pretty much all the shows at a certain venue, mm-hmm. um, and they would back up the artists or they would play by themselves and have their own guests. Um, and so that was kind of that was kind of the direction that I went in, and then and then also uh, you know a typical house band these days because house bands aren't aren't really as as well known these days as they were back in the seventies, kind of the, right. the house band that most people might think of would be the the house bands for the late shows like Stephen Colbert or yeah. you know uh, Jimmy Fallon and and the Roots. Yeah, you know they they might be uh, they might be the most well known house bands out there these days. So yeah. uh, so that was that was kind of what I had to go on, and um, uh, and then also. Uh, if you think about it, the uh, the the pit band that that we are in, whenever mm-hmm. we play in musical theater, they're kind of the house band for those three weeks that right. we, um, you know, that that we play that that one show. At some theaters that we play, mm-hmm. um, it's we do a show a month, pretty much. You know? Right. And exactly. uh, so that's that was kind of how I got the idea for doing one show a month. Mm-hmm was uh was from my experience in the pit and uh playing with these productions where i knew it was possible mm-hmm. to actually do one show a month because i've been doing it for the past um however many years uh, right maybe eight to ten years and right. uh you know once a month and technically we do 10 shows a year but right uh the the idea is to is to pretty much have them be a month in a month apart and then we take one or two months off to uh to rejuvenate and come back the next year and do it again (laughs) right uh now just just to interject just a little trivia you know about house bands uh but you know uh, one of the famous house bands of course is uh saturday saturday night live their house band and uh do you know who the original music director of that show was 
Who was it? Howard Shore, as in the composer of the no Lord of the kidding. Rings trilogy. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> that, that's, that's, oh man, yeah. I, I can't believe, I, I never knew that. And that's, yeah. that's a really neat piece of information. If that's you, really cool. If you want, if you want fun, just Google image search, um, Howard Shore set SNL, you know, and just, it, he, he had the seventies hair and the beard and all that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's really great. So. That's, that's so cool. I, I, I had no idea. Yeah. Um, so in preparation for a show, uh, I mean, let's just take some of the things. So you, I guess you get to figure out, like, uh, if you've got enough of your house band, if you've got to add some guest artists, um, I assume you got to figure out what is the theme of the show and then um, what songs are you going to do? Like, and, and then just like a theater, you got to put them in set list. You got to figure out like what's act one, what's act two. And, um, are, are there other things like, like, is that, what's your process in preparing for a show? I mean, let's just say, um, okay. I was, I just make up something uh, and maybe you've already done this. Uh, let's say <laughs> someone says, let's do a Bob Dylan tribute show. So, oh, yeah. uh, so what, what would be like the first, uh, what would be the steps that you would do to prepare for that? Yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head with your ideas of what the preparation was. That's right. that's pretty much that's that's it. Uh, so we we first we decide on what the overall idea of the show would be, which which would be Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. and um, and then from there think about uh, what what instruments would be necessary so what instruments do you think of when we when you think of bob dylan yeah and of and, course uh, and of course i mean you from there you could say well i mean do we want to do it the way bob dylan played it or maybe it's like Jimi hendrix plays bob dylan yeah and then and uh, there's there's so many <laughs> versions Petty, of yeah. it yeah. <laughs> yeah for we actually did a bob dylan show and uh and what the direction that we went in was at the time i was really into uh i still am but uh gospel versions of bob dylan songs so uh so i'd I'd heard a bunch of uh gospel versions of songs that he did and so we uh we went that direction and did uh did uh something where we had some gospel singers come in and uh a lot of a lot of b3 organ and uh big drums and all that stuff so that was kind of the direction we went in and and that's that's kind of the creative aspect of the show is you know we can we can decide how how we want to do this um you know sometimes we're we're really true to to the artist and we stick to their um you know their original sound and sometimes we you know with with bob dylan there's so many different versions of his songs that are great that you can you can really choose kind of the style that you want to and the path that you want to go down, uh, which I, that's, that was a great suggestion that I love Bob Dylan. He's one of my favorites. And, right. and also it, it makes it so, um, it make his, his music kind of opens up a bunch of different path pathways to go down where you can, right. you can choose what, what style you want to play in and, right. and all that. So, so yeah, we, that's, that's kind of the, the beginning is you choose we we wound up choosing uh your traditional band with drums bass guitar yeah. uh, piano organ and then we decided to get a a couple couple uh featured singers uh one was a gospel singer and and then another one was a uh, 
now that I think about it, I think it was we had we had some backup singers, right? And then and then I kind of brought in the. Uh, I've always been a fan of Bob Dylan, so I kind of brought in the the traditional Bob Dylan sound, which I can't I can't do his singing voice, but, right? But we but we went down that avenue of a more traditional Bob Dylan sound, right? And, uh, well, and yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, one of the ironies there is that uh, you know talking about house bands and talking about Bob Dylan, but one of the most famous, I guess, uh, underlooked bands was the band <laughs> it's oh, like man, uh, they, yeah. they played with bob dylan in the 60s and before before like 1968 they had music from the big pink their own album and man yeah um, i love that album yeah it's like i just re-listened to that i've been uh you know you talked about the beatles earlier i'm reading i'm reading a biography written by bob spitz it's about a thousand page book, so it's a very, very detailed thing. But it's just put me in the whole mood for that time. Like uh, I was just reading about <clears throat> they just recorded their first single and they they heard um, they heard about an up and coming band called the Rolling Stones that was in London. <laughs> you know, and I never realized the timeline. You know, I, to to me, I always thought you know Rolling Stones and Beatles they were they came out at the same time, but it actually wasn't true. The Beatles were first on just about everything. It's their uh, I think it was Revolver is the whole reason why we entered the album era. Before that, it was all singles. Um, and, of course, it's just like, you know, psychedelic albums. Like, they were the first one to come out with that. Um, the, but uh, they they were about a half a year ahead of the Rolling Stones, you know, in terms of coming out. But right after that single, they, they went to London to a club to hear the Rolling Stones play. And, and they heard all kinds of things they hadn't thought of themselves. It's like, And there was a kind of an energy... Uh, there was a different style of beat and uh, just kind of a way of engaging uh, in stage presence that they hadn't even thought of. And John Lennon in particular was like, uh, they're a little bit more radical than us. And, um, you know, maybe we can harness some of that into, you know, later stuff. And you can certainly tell that affected their trajectory. And I'm, uh, it just put me in the whole mood for that era. So I was like, I've just been looking at like all the albums that were considered revolutionary in the 60s and uh, yeah and that's a great time period yeah they um, uh it's funny to see that they were um they were kind of byproducts of uh of blues from from america mm-hmm. um you know rolling stones and the right. beatles in their later years i guess um oh yeah and also led zeppelin you know they were they were kind of big uh influenced by the by the blue uh you know mississippi delta blues and chicago blues and all that so right it's, well, ne- it's neat to see all that's kind of where they they got a lot of their their ideas yeah the rolling stones definitely was in the the you know all the american blues um the beatles to an extent early on were, were like that too but they their big influences like when they started writing their own songs was uh buddy holly and the ever yeah buddy holly. and uh the everly yeah. brothers yeah it's like mm-hmm. um and there, you know, there are a few others in there, um, but you know, it's just kind of interesting. Like it's kind of famous. I think they did Revolver, and then the Beach Boys heard that and said, "That's really neat. I wonder if we could do something like that." And they did Pet Sounds, and then the Beatles. <laughs> oh yeah, and that that just set the world on fire for yeah, the Beatles too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and the Beatles heard that and said, "Wow, they topped us. Let's try Sergeant Pepper." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it just got crazier and crazier. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, but but you know it's not like you know it's not animosity. It's like a friendly competition. I'm I'm, I'm just um, 
always impressed when artists pay attention to other artists and say, hey, there's something to learn there. So that's always mm-hmm. always a good thing. All right, well, we're going very nonlinear here. Uh, one last thing I want to ask about uh, uh, Reeves' band before we go way back in time is uh, what what's the future of it right now? Are you doing anything live stream or limited audience or anything planned? Yeah, so right now we're doing live stream stuff, and uh, which is a different... It's a different thing I've come to find out. We did our first one in July and um, our most recent one we did uh, just the last week, um, which was September the 11th. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was, that was a, that was a, it's, it's interesting to, uh, to hear and, uh, and see the difference between live music and live stream. And it's, you know, in a way, it's a it's it's a little bit more intimate because you have cameras right up close to you, and anybody watching can can really be there with you, and you can talk to them in a normal voice, and you don't have to mm-hmm. get your theater, your your live music voice going on where you're yelling above everything and trying to get your message across to the to the back room, you know, or to the back back of the room. Right. So you can uh, you can kind of sit there and talk like a kind of a storytelling kind of style and right. it's uh you know it's it's a lot of fun to do it that way but there's also uh, a lot of a lot more preparation involved as far as getting everything ready for uh for the show because you have to include all the video now instead of right. just sound and then you have to figure out how to hook the sound into the video and get good levels and don't forget your limiter and your compressor because there's uh you know there's right uh there's issues with uh, with clipping and all that stuff. You gotta right. you gotta figure out all the uh, all the all the issues that go along with live streaming. But uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of what we're right now. We're doing live streaming until until we can um, until we can open back up and have live audiences. And what we do is we we put the show on for free on Facebook or or. Um, uh, you know, right now we're just doing Facebook, but we're right. working on doing YouTube and mm-hmm. uh, some others. But uh, we put it on on Facebook right now for free, and then we just ask people to donate what they can, and right. think of it as like as a live show that you're watching in your pajamas or however right. you decide to watch, and uh, think of it as you know buy a ticket to the show and donate what you can. Our our typical ticket price is around twenty dollars, but. Uh, you know, if you can't if you can't do twenty dollars, and that's totally fine. You can also watch with a, a bunch of friends, and you know, right, uh, pull your money that way. But yeah, it's you know, it's yeah. it's it's just you have to figure out how to be creative about it. It's, you know, there's no tickets. Um, you know, it's it's just uh, we're 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 two live shows in live stream shows in, and uh we've we've started figuring out and finding patterns and right you know figuring out what's you know what works and what doesn't and and it's a you know it's a learning process but it seems like we might be doing this for a little while at least so might as well yeah. figure out how to do it the right way <laughs> it, it's it's all a gamble I, you know people who are doing this they, they realize what you know they they can't expect everybody to pay the the way they would have to to get in a physical building and, you know, I guess what we're all hoping for is that people are appreciative of this time, you know, the, the effort the artists are making and that 
when there's a more normal economy and uh, normal way of life that, you know, the same people or most of them will be glad to pay for the arts. And maybe some people who hadn't paid before will do that. You know, it's, it's, it's also easy to imagine a scenario where people get used to not paying for things. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, it's, it's, it's really, I don't know, it's a little anxious wondering how things are going to be when there is a normal, but I'm hoping it, you know, I'm hoping that the kindness of uh, people takes over and that live arts become more of a commodity maybe than they were before. So, um, yeah. And if, if there ever was a silver lining also is, you know, once, once we figure out the live stream stuff and we can open back up and have an audience, then we can do both at the same time, you know, where we can, whereas before we were just doing live audiences, you know, once we, once we open back up, we'll have live audiences and live streams. So, right. you know, it's potential for making a little bit more, right. more of a revenue for the, for the theater and for the artists. Right. And also reaching out to, a, to more people than, than just the people that can make the drive and come to the theater. You know, if, if you can't make it to the theater, you can check it out on, uh, you know, on social media. Okay. All right. Well, let's go back in time and let's catch up uh, just kind of some things leading up to this. So, um, you know, trying to, uh, I just took a peek at, uh, at Facebook, you know, just before this interview, just to kind of refresh my memory, but um, kind of figuring out where are you from is like, similar to putting putting you in a in a box as far as what you do musically um so you're you're actually you were born in virginia but at some point you moved to new orleans right <laughs> yeah i was actually born in los angeles oh and, wow. then I, and then i moved to virginia when i was around three wow. and then uh stayed there until i graduated high school and then from, from there i moved down to uh down south towards new orleans okay uh, another thing i find kind of interesting so let's talk about the instruments you play professionally so i know that you play piano and keyboards um yeah I've, i know that you've also played gigs as a guitarist um but i've never seen you on drums and i and that's what you studied in new orleans right <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was, so um so i i uh i studied uh uh jazz percussion okay in new orleans and that was that you know basically saying drum set but uh but i but i also while i was doing that i i kept my piano roots and uh and was taking theory classes and composing classes and improvisation classes on the piano so right um, so yeah i was i was playing the drums a lot uh back then Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, uh, when I, when I was playing the drums, uh, there was all <laughs> the funny thing about new Orleans is that there's plenty of drummers down there, <laughs> right? Oh yeah. <laughs> but there's, and, and you, you'd think that there's a lot of piano players too, which there are, but there's more drummers than there are piano players. So I found myself, um, uh, uh, going into classes and them needing piano players to, uh, they were short on piano players, but they had plenty of drummers. So I would, I would kind of, they would ask me to play the piano with them. And, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of how I kept my, kept my feet in the, in the piano world. <laughs> I, I wonder how much of that is just irony. It's like uh, from, you know, like maybe there are a lot of drummers 
that are thinking, you know, there, how many drummers can there be? I'll move to New Orleans. And then maybe you've got a lot of piano players saying, there's got to be way too many piano players there. I'm not going to move there. So <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you create the very thing, you know, that, that, that it is. Um, so, I mean, have you kept up drums? Is that something like someone said, uh, you know, I need you on drums. Would, 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 would you be able to jump in or would you need to like a little refresher course before you do that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Drums, drums. Um, uh, so the thing about drums is it's hard to, uh, it's hard to write music when you're a drummer, right? That's true. <laughs> you know, you got to start. You start off with your instrument, and then, you know, you, you know, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no uh, chords, and right. You know, you can you can sing while you're playing the drums, which some of my favorite favorite bands had their had a drummer as a singer. You know, of right. course, like Levon Helm and yeah. Don Henley and all that stuff. But right. uh, but I, I just I found uh, I found that. Uh, uh, I wanted to go into the uh, composing and songwriting aspect of music, and it was it was easiest for me to do that with uh, with the guitar and the piano. Right. And um, and so I, when I when I originally decided to play the drums, I was twelve years old, and I just wanted to be in a band. Right. And, uh, and I I didn't think too much about the the compositional aspect and you know, all that stuff. So when I fell in love with the drums, uh, that was, that was kind of, uh, it was a moment where I, uh, I decided that that was, that was what I, that was the direction that I was headed in. Right. And, uh, and then when, when I got to the point where I decided what to study, uh, in high school, that was what I was kind of, you know, interested in. So, uh, so I started taking marimba lessons and uh, vibraphone lessons, and you know, learning learning how to play uh, four mallet marimba and right. you know percussion. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was that was how I uh, kept my kept my uh, knowledge of theory and and composition going. Right. But uh, but I was always passionate about being in a in a rock and roll band and and playing the drums. So uh, later on in life, I would kind of uh figure out that you know my roots are in mm-hmm. songwriting and, and rock and roll and being in a band um but i don't necessarily need to play the drums in order to, to have that anymore I, right. I can kind of focus on my uh the direction that i wanted to go in which was songwriting and composing and dedicate myself to uh to uh the piano and the guitar instead yeah. and what ages so, did you pick up piano and guitar so I played. I started the piano when I was eight. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was eight. I'm pretty sure it was yeah. around that time period, at least. And then uh, my parents would have me do piano lessons, mm-hmm. and uh, from from around eight until around the age of twelve, I uh, I played the piano. Mm-hmm. And uh, around twelve was when I got my first. Uh, I started listening to my own. I started having a, a taste in music, I guess <laughs> right. you could call it, where right. I where I decided what I wanted to buy and what the music that I wanted to buy instead of my parents telling me what to listen to. Right. <laughs> so that's I guess you know for most people that's around the age of twelve. Right. And uh, and so after that I decided that the guitar was something that I really wanted to learn and the drums. So the right. drums and guitar were were kind of what brought me into the world of of. Uh, of being in a band right and instead of instead of piano which was the world of solo 
uh, learning your own material, uh, learning your own music and playing it by yourself, you know? Right. So uh, I, I, I love the collaborative aspect at that age. And I still do. It's it's probably one of my favorite things about playing music nowadays. Right. To, to kind of describe yourself as a pit musician. So, uh, you know, from what, from what I can tell, you're, you're very well-rounded as a keyboardist, you know, so... Like you're very you're you're the type of keyboardist that's def- definitely comfortable playing out of a keyboard two book and can do the patch changes and all that. But you've also played piano one books and um and I don't know. Have you ever been like the accompanist for a show? Have you ever done done that? I mean, I assume you have because you've done music director slash piano, so you've probably done like the full accompanying, you know, during rehearsals, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely not as good as as you are. Right. At, that's for sure. But uh, I, whenever I whenever I get get a chance to watch uh, watch you play the piano, I'm always yeah. sitting there wa- watching intently. But uh, my my uh, I've definitely done the uh, the accompaniment stuff before. Right. Um, my my style is a little bit different mm-hmm. in the fact that uh, I, I'm kind of uh, from the uh, from the world of improvising more than i am from the world of right reading sheet music even though even though i love reading sheet music and i love yeah i love uh i love reading music and it's right. one of my favorite things it's it's uh it my my strong suit is definitely with my ears as far as uh playing music goes but um but yeah with with the company you know i can i can sight read decently and i can um you know i can play music on 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 the page but uh, sometimes uh, accompany, accompanists will tell me that I play it differently every time, right. <laughs> which is which is true. Uh, right. I'll, I'll definitely do it differently every time. So right. uh, it takes a little bit of, of, of a flexible singer to be able to play with my accompaniment skills. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, for some for some productions, that's that's just what's needed. Uh, now uh, on a guitar, so I know that you're you're. You know your background is rock and jazz and blues and all that. Um, are are there types of books for theater where that you're not comfortable with? I mean, or ones that you're more comfortable with? Like some some guitar books, everything's kind of written out and might even call for a more a classical style. And I didn't know <laughs> if that's in your wheelhouse as well, or if you kind of prefer the the ones that are truly uh, electric and you know rock rock or jazz style. Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, cause there, there are two different, two different ways of mm-hmm. doing it, you know, well on the spectrum there's, right. there's the, there's the more improvisational aspect. And then on the other side is the, you, you write down everything and that's how you play it. Right. And, uh, I've, I've done both and, uh, I find myself working harder when I, when I have the, the type of music that is, you want to be true to the sheet music that's written right as opposed to um if you open up the book and it's just chord charts there's just chords there not not as many melodies or right or or harmonies involved and you know i, I find myself uh doing that a little bit easier um with that being said i have played you know uh, musicals like mary poppins where Mm-hmm. there's no there's no imp- improvising going on there right. you know it's yeah you know you you stay true to the book and make sure that the singers are comfortable in their in their right. spots and and all that so um and that's uh you know this it's just two different aspects of of musical theater that are uh, 
And that that's one of the reasons I love musical theater so much is that you have that diversity of of um, you know that that different you know there's there's always it's kind of a bunch of everything combined you know you can you can find all the different styles of writing all the different styles of playing right and uh that's 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 one of my favorite things about musical theater right um now when it comes to the musical theater what was your uh what came first being on stage or being in a pit it depends on if you call ballet musical theater because <laughs> okay. i did used to i did used to take ballet lessons and oh. uh and and uh, uh i was in the nutcracker wow and if you count that as musical theater you know right <laughs> i was i was fritz okay. the uh the kid that uh that tore the head off the nutcracker at the party at the beginning so oh, okay <laughs> wow <laughs> i was a troublemaker i guess but nice. uh, yeah that's so i guess that was you know if you count that as musical theater then how long did you take first, ballet not oh. very long maybe okay. maybe three years or so okay. but i did i did that and tap dancing okay so that was that was kind of my rhythm part i guess okay <laughs> Uh, well, you know, I think they're all kind of related, but like, like just to kind of like stages and plays. So how how did you how did you enter that world for that? Let's see. I think the first show that I ever did was the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I was playing the drums on it. Okay. So um, that was in college. So right. um, it's funny because uh, something funny actually happened during that show that right. is one of my on my list of funny things. That, that have happened in my life but oh, yeah we can we can get back to that if you want oh no go ahead and tell us about it <laughs> so okay so uh so the rocky horror picture show i was playing the drums mm -hmm. and um so you're we were on stage and there were lights behind us and um and so we were in the middle of the show and the the music director turns over to me and he's he's looking at me and he's like really kind of frantic and uh, he's looking at me really like there's an emergency going on. <laughs> and he's like, uh, and I'm, I'm sitting there just reading the music and having fun and, you know, enjoying, enjoying myself. And he's like, Tommy, you're on fire. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing pretty good, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, seriously, you're on fire. And I turn around and, uh, and I see uh, and I see that my symbol bag had been draped over one of the lights. Oh, nice! And uh, and uh, and the smoke was coming out because it was being burned. And so, uh, so I turned around and got it off as fast as I could and threw it over. And that was that. But it was a it was a funny it was a funny situation for sure. Nice. <laughs> um, let's see. Now I've, I've got to be the anal the anal musical theater guy here just because i know somebody else will comment it. so this is just a common thing but the rocky horror picture show is the movie you take out the word picture for the for the actual play it's just rocky horror show <laughs> rocky horror show okay yeah, yeah i had good. to learn that when i first did the did i i think i said played i guess i played on it twice i music directed it once and then i sub subbed for it this past year so yeah yeah, one of those li little things that theater people will tell you. <laughs> so, uh, when did you actually get onto the stage? So, I, I know one one role I want to talk about for sure is well. I mean, there's a couple of roles I, I didn't know you uh, and didn't get to see the show, but I know you were in 
uh, one show that uses musicians on stage, like Pump Boys and Dinettes. Dinettes, I think that's what it's called. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's one I know. I've seen. I've seen you on the poster of that, so I know that you were you were in that. But then, uh, probably the biggest one in the last few years that you've done a couple times uh, is the Million Dollar Quartet. And back on episode two, I talked to guitarist Alan Beck about that. He played. Uh, he played Carl Perkins. You got to play mm-hmm. Jerry Lee Lewis, so uh, so you had a lot to do there. You had to sing his songs play play his songs in his style uh and you know also come up with some of the mannerisms to to do that and and do things like stand on top of the piano so uh (laughs) so you had an interesting and and of course you know one of the things i think pit musicians some pit musicians might be i don't know horrified to, to know this but if you play on stage, you got to get off book. <laughs> it's like it's like there. It would not be, I don't know. It would not go over well if you had the book in front of you playing. And so you've got to. Uh, you, but you know, you're the type. You love improvisation, and you love and and I think you would rather the book not even be in front of you as much as possible. So I, that that kind of suits you. But you know, what was that like preparing for Jerry Lee Lewis? Well, I definitely have to say I'd never. I'd never slid across the top of a piano and played it backwards before right. and done it, done it, done it, uh, and twirled around in a circle and, and learned how to play it backwards with my feet up in the air. Right. <laughs> that was, that was the first for me for sure. Right. But, uh, but it was, it was fun. And, and Alan, what can I say? You know, he's one of the, one of the great guitar players in the area and, mm-hmm. you know, for him to, to, to play, uh, you know, Carl Perkins and, mm-hmm. and for me to be able to do Jerry Lee. And, yeah. and then we had, uh, you know, uh, Taylor Vaden playing Elvis and, yeah. and, uh, yeah. Gray Smith doing Johnny Cash. And yeah. they were, you know, they were just, it's just, a you know, a, a, a cast of really talented people. And right. the music was interesting. It was on, like I said before, the spectrum of, uh, of improvisation mm-hmm. is closer to the improvisational right. aspect of that spectrum than, than the classical one. And, um, and so the, the music, you know, if you listen to it, of course, you know, you, you'll hear it just, it's so influenced by blues music that, uh, it's hard to not classify it as blues in my opinion. Right. So a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the music was, um, you know, is kind of your standard format. You know, if you're playing a blues show, it's easy to make it all sound the same unless you uh, unless you actually pay attention to the details and get the small nuances of each song to be uh, to to come forward and uh, and actually make and have people pay attention to those because right. uh, it's it's really easy to make you know make a blues show sound really same really the same and monotonous right but uh you know the the music was really blues influenced so the 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 getting off book wasn't wasn't as hard as you might think right but they uh my my biggest problem is always memorizing lyrics that's right <laughs> that's always the hardest thing for me and right memorizing all the lines too you know like you know yeah. the lines in between the songs and oh, you yeah. know that's that's always been the hardest thing for me is I can, I can learn music pretty fast, but, uh, well, you know, but, I, but I, lyrics are tough. I don't know if you saw my Facebook posts, but this was a brainstorm that hit me not too long ago. Um, I have always had hard time with lyrics and, and I just kind of posed this out there. I just put it on Facebook. I said, I've noticed recently, like if I, 
you know, what I when I listen to a song like a rock song, I am dissecting everything I hear. It's like I hear the chord progressions, the voicings, the bass line, the the I'm figuring out what the time signature is, the key signature. It's like I, I'm just I'm pulling it apart so I can understand it. As soon as I try to listen to the lyrics, I all that stuff goes in the background and it's a completely different listening experience. Yeah, and for, for sure. me, it's it's one that I have a hard time enjoying as much. You know, it's just kind of the way I'm wired. So I I posited out there people who still make use of active theory. So that would be, you know, of course, people who teach in a university, people who write music. Um I said, are you the same way? And it was pretty much unanimous across the board. People who use music theory have a hard time with lyrics. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't really get any exceptions to that and a lot of comments. So it was very, very eye-opening for that. So That's interesting. Yeah, I could totally see why that is true. Right. I hadn't really thought about that. But yeah, yeah. I think I think you have something there. That's that's interesting. Yeah, it's like so you kind of have to tune that out. You have to make yourself, you know, just focus on the words. And, you know, it's like you talked about Bob Dylan. Uh, that's always been I've always had a hard time with Bob Dylan because um, when I hear him play, I don't hear a lot of musical stuff that's drawn my attention. I know his strength, his legacy is right. based on his lyrics. Mm -hmm. So it's why I've always gotten more out of covers of Bob Dylan. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, when I hear other people do knock, 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 knocking on heaven's door, I get a little bit more out of it than when I hear him do it himself, you know, but um, that's just kind of been my perspective, you know, when it comes that's to that. Yeah, it's really true. You know, Bob Dylan's like, you know, if you listen to his, you know, solo work, it's just strumming cowboy chords, right? And, uh, you know, and you know, there's it, you, you you kind of focus more on the lyrics, and, right? Uh, and you know, a lot of people will say his voice isn't that great. I I particularly I happen to love his voice, right? Just because, especially the later years, like what he's doing right now, right? But um. But uh, yeah, his his focus was always on the um, on the lyrics, right. and you know his, his music was kind of uh, highlighting that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't the most interesting music in the world. So you would, uh, you know, the most interesting thing was the lyrics, and that was what was highlighted. So right, yeah, I I I, I think it's it it definitely takes a a different mindset uh, to listen to Bob Dylan than it than it does to listen to maybe maybe ABBA right you know where the where the music is really interesting and you know right. it's you know there's a whole bunch there to unpack mm -hmm. but you know if you're listening to ABBA you might know the words dancing queen but you you don't know the rest of the song you right. know it's like is it one night in Bangkok I can't, oh yeah I can't yeah remember. from chess yeah <laughs> from chess you know it's like that song's a great song it's got such great music going on but I don't know the I mean, I played that song for three weeks straight, and I still don't know the lyrics to it. Like, I, I, yeah. know, <laughs> I know the word Bangkok, you know, and that's, that's about it. Yeah. Well, uh, as opposed to Dylan, you know, it's like, you know, it's easy to memorize those lyrics. It's easier to memorize those lyrics because you don't have to pay attention to much else than that. You know, once you, once you get the three chords that he's strumming, then uh, you, can, you, can really, you can really pay attention to the lyrics and, right. and, uh, and sing them if you want. Well, you know, my favorite band of the past 30 years is Radiohead. 
And, oh my uh, gosh, I and you know, other than the song that was kind of their producer enforced hit, which was creep, you know, where, you know, I think everyone can kind of sing the, the chorus to that. Um, <laughs> I can't yeah. tell you the lyrics to any of their songs Like my favorite album. I, I, if you ask me to choose my favorite album of all time in rock, it's okay. Computer. And that's uh, same here, man. That's one of my favorites and, for sure. And I can sing phrases lyric wise but i don't know the lyrics to any of those songs you know it's like <laughs> yeah you probably know i bet you know the melodies oh know? yeah the like, melodies you know, yeah the melodies i i think that's the thing about radio that i truly like is mm-hmm. i uh i i like the combination of the interesting things going on underneath with the instruments but then tom york's melodies that he's doing you know oh yeah and i i i can't tell you i mean i've that's probably one of my top albums of all time also right. okay computer but i can't tell you all the words to that album you know right. it's like you know i can't i could probably sing most of the melodies yeah. and uh probably play most of the songs yeah. on on piano or guitar but i i you know i wouldn't be i would have to look at a lyric sheet in order to yeah to, you know to be able to sing those songs well you know, you know one difference i have noticed like um <clears throat> with the radiohead and and a lot of rock bands compared to say musical theater and actually, I'm going to go and throw in Weird Al Yankovic on this side. When, you know, I love Weird Al. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, one thing that stands out about Weird Al in, in the world of rock is not the parodies, but because the lyrics are such an important part of what he does, you know, for his for his image, he enunciates his lyrics. Whereas That's in, true. You yeah. know, when you listen to Tom York sing... Uh, like something like no surprises no surprise it just kind of slurs together it's yeah i I think that's kind of their style too though because there's like some of my like radiohead's one of my favorite um there's another band called bony vader where Mm -hmm. you know his his focus is on the melody and you know if you listen to the lyrics or if you if you go and look up the lyrics they're Mm -hmm. beautiful you know but they don't really make a lot of sense you know so i think you know, Weird Al definitely has a message that he's trying to get across. And so enunciation is the most important thing so that people can hear the story he's trying to tell and and uh and or or hear the the words that he's trying to say. Whereas with Tom York and, and Boney Vare, you know, the I think the the more important thing to them is the melody and uh and the way the way the words sound, not necessarily the message. Right. And uh and I think the you know the the way the words sound and the way that they they feel coming out of the artists you right. know uh you know what's happening and how good it feels while they're saying those words yeah is uh you know that's important to them and kind of helps them shape the melody a little bit more are you familiar so, with uh with carl jenkins uh, composer the name sounds familiar okay uh, yeah um back in the early 90s there was a delta commercial delta airlines and it used his music um also he he wrote a piece for the de beers diamond commercial it sounds like vivaldi but it's actually him um but the the delta it's like it's an adiemus is the name of the piece he wrote for that and there's an album called adiemus and if you look at the liner notes um he made up all of the words. He made up the entire language because he wanted the sound of those syllables. And it was inspired by some African stuff he heard, but it's not anything. There, there's no translation for it. It's just kind of what he made up, you know, what he likes. And so it's just kind of interesting 
that parallels the approach that you're talking about. That's interesting. Maybe he's kind of influenced yeah. by J.R.R. Tolkien. Right. That's true. <laughs> Where he's making his own language. <laughs> That's true. Um, well, I mean, it's, it's kind of ironic. We, uh, you know, this is a show that talks about musical theater. We, we haven't talked a lot about uh, quite a bit of experience you have as a keyboardist and a music director. I mean, I know that you've done chess, um, you've done Chicago, you've done Aida. Um, you know, we could go on and on with a lot of the shows that you've done. You mentioned Mary Poppins, uh, but just kind of lacking time. And we, we've talked about some things that are unique to you, but uh, I'll just ask one one more question related to theater, and that is, um, are there, well, you can choose how you want to answer it. Is there a favorite show or is there a favorite moment from a show that you'd like to share? Yeah, I guess there's, there's probably a couple of them for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I met my fiance at, when I was the music musical director for Mary Poppins. Okay. So that was, that's a, that's a special one for me. And right. I've got a picture up on my wall where I can look at it and remember all that stuff. So that's, that's an important one for me. Right. But, um, but man, the, when we did chess, mm-hmm. uh, that's probably the most challenging show I've ever done mm-hmm. where I, I had to really prepare for it. And mm-hmm. I felt like afterwards I'd learned a lot and I was, you know, if I can do chess, I can pretty much do anything kind of, yeah, kind of mindset afterwards. Right. So that was, that was important to me. And then, mm-hmm. and that, that was for anybody who doesn't know, chess is written by the same people who did Mama Mia, which is, mm-hmm. you know, band members of ABBA. And they have a, a, his, a history of writing difficult music. Oh, but, yeah. um, but, uh, but yeah, that one and, uh, uh, you know, of course, Million Dollar Quartet was was mm-hmm. important to me because that was probably some of the most fun that I've had doing a production and being able to combine blues music with uh, with musical with musical theater is is pretty unique to me and it can be done in a bad way, I'm sure. <laughs> right. But we we managed to do it in a good way with a lot of talented people. So uh, right. Uh, so yeah, those 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 probably those are probably some of my favorite ones for sure. Right. Uh, we also we didn't really talk about you know some of the other bands that you have you know with uh, Easy Street Apothecary and um, and um, the New Traditional. I'm gonna link uh, on the show notes. I'll put links to to the the Reeves House Band and all of that. Um, where can people follow you if they just want to know more about what you're doing musically? Yeah, most most of it's on Facebook, so you can see my personal page, and then uh, and then the Reeves House Band has a uh, has a Facebook page also. So, uh, and then the New Traditional, which is my songwriting page. Mm-hmm. For a while there, I was writing a song a week mm. and uh, posting it on there. I did that for about a year, and then um, and then now it's it's a little bit. It's not quite once once a week, but it's. Um, you know, I try and do it uh, fairly often. So right. whenever I write a song, I'll post it onto the new traditional Facebook page. All right. And uh, so, yeah, those are those are three great ways to keep in touch. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, thanks for uh, taking time out. Uh, hopefully things get back to normal soon. And uh, but glad you're still able to keep busy and glad you're able to come on the show and, and have a conversation. Yeah, thank you, man. I, I'm, I'm, I, I had a blast, and you know, I think, uh, I think what you got going on is awesome. Oh, the uh, life, life in the pit. I think it's awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs>
that just about wraps up episode 23. But before I conclude, though, uh, and wrap up for good, I just want to offer my condolences, my thoughts, my prayers to uh, the theater family at the High Point Community Theater in High Point, North Carolina. COVID-19 was directly responsible for claiming one of their faithful members, one of their volunteers who has worked with both of the productions that I've been involved with, with Oklahoma and Beauty and the Beast, and uh, his family has been involved in the theater. For sake of privacy, I won't I won't reveal the name on this podcast, uh, but they know who I'm talking about. And just want to let you know that uh, we're thinking of you and we're thinking of communities like you that have lost loved ones during this time. Please join me again next Friday uh, for episode 24. This one's a really special episode for me because I am connecting once again with someone I used to go to high school with and have not seen or hadn't spoken to in 30 years. And uh, that's a fun conversation. Just a reminder, but you can find this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Life in the Pit Pod. And you can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. I want to give a special thanks to Mark Perolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can reach out to me at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast for more information or to leave me a message. And once again, please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and share with your friends. Thanks for listening.